Hi, my name is Danny Martinez. I have the privilege to serve you as the superintendent of the Central Conference. Some of you may not know what the Central Conference is, so I prepared this little slide for you that shows you that the Central Conference is uh, the conglomeration of 111 churches uh, in five states, the state of in Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And uh, we function as a support system to our churches. We are a very diverse uh, conference, and we are so grateful that Newcom is part of that diversity and membership. We're very grateful for you, and sincerely, since I visited you a couple of times, I can honestly say that I felt that the Holy Spirit is doing something new here, not only as a multicultural church, but also as your diversity with socioeconomics in the church and the representation of uh, different generations. I am so happy and so glad that you are a part of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, but specifically the Central Conference. I want to introduce you to my staff. We are a, a, a very uh, bare-bones staff that serves 111 churches, but I am very privileged to serve with a group of people that love the Lord, that care for the church, that love the church, that walk along with pastors, that walk along with lay leaders, and, and that are a great resource. I certainly couldn't do my job without the blessing of having talented people with us. We also have a website and we have a toolbox that we have designed for lay leaders and other people that may need resources that you're welcome to visit. And that's actually what I want to introduce you to, which is the LEAD Initiative. The LEAD Initiative is something that we started about a year ago that had the, the big goal of equipping leaders. To me, the biggest blessing for any church is to have lay leaders that love God, that love the church, that love their pastors, and they want to continue to see the mission of God in full form in your communities. The lead initiative is, is meant to do that, and of course with COVID, that has stopped for a little while, but we are, are going to be having some virtual trainings for your church and all of the other churches in the Central Conference. That's a huge part of our uh, initiative to equip and to have resources ready for our lay leaders. Lay leaders are, uh, make the church uh, go through the Holy Spirit of God. The other thing that we do uh, in partnership with you and the reason why you're partners with us financially is because through the Central Conference and in combination with our, with our denomination, we plant churches. We are the folks that would love to see new people come to Christ just like New Community was uh, a few years ago. Uh, Peter Hong, your pastor, a talented, uh, a gifted uh, pastor, decided that he wanted to start a church in this community. And this is why you have such a wonderful church now. It was in combination with the Central Conference and our denomination. But we are also, uh, we deal with congregational vitality. We believe that established churches also need to be renewed and revisited in their vision and we walk alongside of you to make sure that, that you're living up to the potential that you, that you want to have with your community and with the people in, in your congregation. So we have people that can walk with you doing training programs, doing and giving you resources. Part of our toolbox online uh, gives you some of those, uh, th those tools. And by this slide, you will see that uh, we are a very diverse 
a conference as well, not only having African-American churches and Asian-American churches and Latino churches and majority churches, but to me, I have the privilege of visiting a church every week and being able to visit a church with a 50-member choir is just just amazing to be able to do that and in some churches there's some dancing believe it or not where you lose a few pounds because you have to get involved and uh, meeting with pastors and meeting with other groups we uh, the covenant ethos is not one particular worship style but it's a mosaic of people that love God and they want to join together in community I love visiting churches because I never know what I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have that day and just uh, being with God's people we can honestly say that we are better together. God has called us to be one in the middle of such diversity and uh, difference of opinions and such divisions uh, of politics in the church, we can say that we are one in Christ. So the, I have the privilege of bringing the sermon to you this morning. And that sermon uh, I have titled, Being a Welcoming Church. Now, I know that you're a welcoming church. I've been in your services, and you have welcomed me in, in, a, in a great way. But I want to go a little bit beyond of, of just having a courteous uh, a greeting in the morning. Having uh, a reading, going to the scriptures on Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14 to 22, and it says this. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God mighty and awesome who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Part of what I think the scripture is calling us to think about today is being a welcoming church. So let's start with the definition of welcoming. For me, uh, welcoming is a feeling of safety. Listen up, safety. And the second one is security fused with comfort and peace, enhanced by those who regard you with affection. Think about what the feeling is when you come to church. You come to church because there's a, uh, there's a warmth, there's a comfort, there's a peace, and there is a, certainly affection. I know for Latinos, uh, in, and you may be thinking differently, but this time of, uh, of COVID-19 has been very difficult because we don't get to see our friends. We don't get to see our families on Sunday. And to us, it, having a service together means to have a celebration. It means to embrace people. It means to hug people. It means to be in community with one another. That is just as important as the liturgy in the service. 
And we're not to not have this thing, it's, it's really cutting us at the core of who we are as people. So if you think about church, it should come with some affection and some affectionate thoughts for people that are there with you. The second part says, the warmth experienced when acceptance, love, and respect are surrounded by tradition and familiarity. To me, the definition of welcoming is re it's really important because the fact is, uh, some people do not feel welcome when they come to church. Some people are never greeted when they come to church. There are people that we, you know, that feel that when they come to church, it is, it is because they are seeking something and not necessarily for us to be giving something away. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I was born in a small little country called Guatemala, which is in Central America. So when people ask me if I'm American, I tell them, yeah, I was born in, the, in Central America. I am a Central American. And uh, I came to the States because, you know, it, my father, unfortunately, had left our family, and my mother was fed to uh, care for two boys that were very hungry, that ate a lot, and she needed something that would make that, you know, that, were, that she can offer to them as, as a better opportunity. And we came to this country seeking something that we did not have back at home. I tell you that story because, uh, you know, sometimes I forget that I'm an immigrant because I am an American. I, I studied here. I had my family here. I went to school here. I have uh, planted churches. I have, I have led events here in the States, and I speak English as well as Spanish. But sometimes I don't think of myself as an immigrant. And this scripture is kind of telling me, remember that you are an immigrant uh, and that you have been welcomed here. And therefore, because you are, now you have a responsibility to be kind and thoughtful and compassionate to other people that may not be experiencing that. That to me is really important because the fact is most of us are immigrants whether our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents, we were not originally from here, but God has brought us here by His grace, and I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful that I'm an American citizen. But the scripture, when you look at that, paired to what the apostle says, he says that our citizenship is in heaven. And we don't really think about that because we're kind of comfortable being citizens here. But if our citizenship is in heaven, then there's something that has to do with the way that we interact with others. Being a welcoming church in Deuteronomy 10, going back to verse 16, should cost us something. So when he talks about circumcise your hearts, if you know what circumcision is, it's a loss of something. It's losing something that may be or may not be important, but that has a cost in the way that you care and that you bring that offering to God. When uh, the disciples were uh, wondering, uh, you know, how, how you pray to God, Jesus taught them a very specific way of doing that. But when people came to Christ and said, which one is the most important commandment? Because they wanted to see what he would say. They wanted to see if they could trap him in something. But I really love Jesus. And I hope you love Jesus too, because not only was he smart, he was also kind and, and, and focused us on the right things. And, and they said, so what is the most important one? And he goes, well, it's two in one. And he says, love your God, which is very easy because we love God. He's so cool. He's so wonderful. He's so generous. He gives us all the things that we need, right? But the second part, he says, love, heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
But then he kind of gets us in trouble because he, he says something else that costs us something, which is love your neighbor. And not just care for your neighbor, not just tolerate your neighbor, but love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I have a problem with that because loving my neighbor as myself takes energy, takes time, it takes money, it takes intention. And sometimes I'm so busy that I don't really want to do that. Yet, 16 says, circumcise your hearts and do not be stiff-necked. Do not be stubborn. Listen to what the Word says. Your God is the God of everything. He owns everything. He is everything. And He is Lord over all. And He Himself, it says, shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. And to me, that is good news. Because if people looked at me or my race or my socioeconomic and thought I was less than other people, God doesn't see that. And this is why your, your church is doing such an incredible job in uniting people that are not supposed to be together. If you're from, from different countries and different nationalities or different languages or different traditions, you know, the world says, don't bother, just be with your own. We are attracted to those people that think like us, that look like us, and that vote like us. Yes, I went there. That vote like us. But the fact is God is calling us beyond what our opinions are and beyond what our thoughts are because the politics of heaven is Jesus saying, love God and love your neighbor. And that costs us something. Why does it cost us anything? Because God is the Lord of all and He makes no exceptions of people. He shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. What is my, how do we, we become a welcoming body in the church? Now, you may be thinking, well, we're a, a long way of the, ahead because we're not meeting right now, Pastor. Right now, I'm in my pajamas in, 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 you know, in my living room with some coffee, and maybe I didn't brush my, my hair or brush my teeth yet. And by the way, you should do that before you come to the service. But how do we, how do we become a welcoming body in the church? Well, I've listed four things here. The first one is prepare your heart. Because we uh, sometimes become very focused on who we are and what we want, we don't often think of church being for others, but being an experience for me. I cracked up uh, with this story. This pastor was telling me, uh, it was telling someone that uh, one of his parishioners came up to him and says, Pastor, I, did, I didn't care for the worship today. And the pastor goes, good, because it wasn't for you. It was for God. And, and that's exactly right. You know, my opinions of what happens, I don't have to be comfortable with everything that happens in the church. It is not a buffet where I can take whatever I want. It is a place where we get to be challenged, where we get to love others that are unlike us. And that is tough. In a country that is so divided politically right now, people are not looking through the lens of loving God and loving your neighbor. That should be what, uh, but we prepare our hearts so that when we come to church and when we have the opportunity to welcome others, we have a heart that's, uh, that has already the intention of being welcoming to others. Uh, the second one is change your idea about the local church. If the church is not really about me and my needs and my, and, and uh, by the way, I'm not saying it shouldn't uh, care for you. It should not, uh, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be about uh, feeding your soul. But the fact is, the church is also for those people outside that do not know him. It's for people that are 
so entangled on everything that will make them feel anything that they're trying it because they don't know what the love of God feels like yet. And sometimes we do not point to the master really well. John the Baptist was one of the holiest people that ever lived. I love John the Baptist. I don't think I would have gotten along with him very well because he was a little rough. He told you the truth, whether you liked it or not, and he would move on. And he, Jesus said he's one of the holiest people, and if Jesus says that, I believe him. And John the Baptist would say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And John the Baptist would call you out, and he says, you know, you need to repent. You need to come to Christ. But when people ask him, you know, you preach so nice, you are so cool. Well, I don't know if, you know, being dressed with camel's hair and stuff was cool. But maybe it was cool back then. And they would say, are you the Messiah? We want to honor you and we want to give you uh, glory and we want to uh, give you praise because, you know, you may be the Messiah, right? And he would say, wait a minute, I am not the Messiah. In fact, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. But he who comes, you know, I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with fire. What happens was that one day Jesus walks right by him and John the Baptist, egoless, says, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't know about you, sometimes I think ministry is about me. If you're convicted about this, please know I'm convicted about it first. But our job is simply to point at the Messiah. It's not about converting people. It's not about changing people's minds, but allowing them to get closer enough to God that the Holy Spirit can move in them, that the Holy Spirit can, can come and shed light in them, and that it can give them, can give them this, this joy and peace and hunger for knowing who Jesus is. We need to continue to point to the Lamb of God because He still takes away the sin of the world. Number three, Realign yourself to his purpose. You know, I struggle with, with finding out what does God want me to do. When, Jesus, when they came up to Jesus and said, how do we pray? Jesus said to them, hey, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to me, that just kind of goes against what some of Christianity stands for where we ask God for things constantly and then seal it with the name of Jesus, thinking that that's the magic seal. When Jesus says we should come to God and say, what is your purpose and what is your kingdom that I may align myself to it? When we do that, then we're seeing that our lives then begin to be transformed because our hearts begin to be broken for the things that break his heart. And we align ourselves to who He is and who He wants us to be. I want to realign myself to Him because I want to be His partner. I don't want to get in His way. I want Him to use me according to His will in my life because life would be a lot, more, a lot simpler. I can tell you that much. And the last one to me is being a welcoming body is practicing solidarity. Hospitality, which is close enough. Practice hospitality. So if I know that people are afraid to come to church because they, most people have not had a, a, a good experience. They've either been judged or they've had just an adverse reaction to church and, and what they call institutionalized religion. 
when people come to church, they are really exposing themselves to uh, rejection, to disappointment. And obviously, some of our sociological statistics say that if people do not come in and have at least seven interactions with folks in the church, they won't come back. If out of those seven interactions, three of those do not have some meaningful conversation, they will not be back either. And if at least one of those becomes a relationship, there will be a detachment from that. The sermon may be great, and I know that Pastor Peter preaches wonderful. And your worship is amazing too, that's great. But if the church doesn't become intentionally retaining and loving the people that God brings here, we're kind of missing the point. Back to verse 18, he says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. One of the things that I have uh, pursued has been immigration reform, because you may, may or may not know that there's about more than 10 million people in the United States that have been in the United States for over 20 years. They have had no criminal record, that pay their taxes, that are living in fear and in the shadows because they do not have the proper documents to be a resident or a citizen. To me, I advocate for them because I myself was in that situation. In 1986, President Ronald Reagan passed uh, something called an amnesty uh, bill that allowed me to become a citizen. And if it wasn't for that, I would not have the opportunity that I've had to travel the world and to minister in different places and different continents. And I can tell you that some of my brothers and sisters are simply wanting to be, to have the dignity of being able to work and to be contributing members of society. And this is why I advocate for that. But this scripture kind of gives me that support where it says, you, you defend the fatherless and the widow, you uh, love the foreigner, uh, you know, that I provide food through you and agree to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt and I myself was a foreigner here. I think because God has welcomed me, I can say three things with, with, with the most importance. One is that God cares about everyone. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what, what they've done. God sent his only son. That He loved the world so much he sent his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came and he did not say it has to be a certain age or a certain, uh, a certain gender. He came because he loved the world. He loved everyone in it. God cares about everyone. And because he cares about everyone, we care about everyone. Even those people that we do not agree with. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Develop sympathy for those that are different. It is uh, sometimes frustrating for some of us that don't speak more than one language to sometimes hear other people speaking other languages because we don't know what they're saying. And some, some of us are so insecure we think they're talking about us. But the fact is, people that are different than us, those that, uh, the, there are some people that hug, and you know who you are, and there are some people that don't hug, and trust me, I know who you are too. And there's this awkwardness in being around other people that are unlike us. There's this awkwardness <coughs> in being able to love those that sometimes we cannot even understand. It's really important. Develop sympathy for those who are different, who 
may make you uncomfortable, who you actually have to give up some of your comfort for. Develop sympathy for that. Because you yourself were a foreigner at one time. You yourself were a foreigner from church, and you yourself were a foreigner from the grace of God, but yet you have been reached, and we celebrate the fact that you have. The command to love other regardless of, and he basically just tells you, regardless of anything, we are to love one another because God loved us first. It is not because we're nice people that we get to love each other. It is not because we're, we, we're it is not of us. It is because God loves us first, says First John. We can love him and his creation. So to finish up, how can we become a welcoming church? I believe that New Community is doing this. And I want, and you know, you've been tackling some very difficult topics lately. And I want to commend you for that because those topics are difficult to discuss in a church that's so diverse, that has such different opinions of things and such different experiences of things. But if you go on the scripture and you base yourself on Christ first, and not lean on your own understanding, and if we, in our ways we acknowledge him, he will direct our path. And through the scriptures, and through your pastors, who I love, by the way, I love the people that are surrounding you, the people that you have in leadership are excellent people, are people that love God and that love you. Good going. But to welcome, to, when you would say welcome to church, what we're saying is we are a place of hospitality. We're a place of grace. And we're a community for all people. And we don't have to agree with you to love you. We don't have to agree with you to direct you to the master. In fact, our biggest privilege is to be able to point out who the master is and who the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is. He desires for us to have a relationship with him. And now that you have a relationship with him, you get to have a relationship with his creation and his people, regardless of who they are. Because we were once estranged from him. And now we are in his kingdom and his family. Some of us are going to be uh, a little confused when we get to heaven. Because some people won't make it. And the people that make it, we're going to question God why he did. But you know what? God is God and he does whatever he wants. Our job is to simply point people to the master, to the Lamb of God, who gave his life for all of us. Thank you for being a welcoming church. Thank you for being a church that loves this community. This community needs Christ. This community desperately needs an encounter with the Holy Spirit through you who are his hands and his feet. Thank you for loving this community well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for new community. Thank you because you have placed this community here. We thank you for Pastor Peter. We thank you for his visioning and his craziness and and all the things that you put in his heart. Father, thank you so much for the way that you've made him and the way that he leads the church and his family. We pray for, for you to bless them. 
We pray for the leadership team. We pray for the, the staff. We pray for everyone that, that is making things happen. Father, we know that this is a difficult time for the church. But in the middle of that, Father, they're being faithful. And Father, if they heed the call to be a church that is welcoming to their community, you will continue to do even greater things for them. I give you thanks. Allow me to walk well with them as well as the Central Conference. We love you. In the name of Jesus, en el nombre de Jesús. Amen. God bless you.